Between that pile of laundry that never seems to get any smaller and all those incoming emails and oh so many Zoom calls, you've got plenty on your to-do list. So give yourself one less thing to worry about and let DoorDash take care of your next meal. You know how this goes. You want Chinese, kids want burgers, everybody wants Froyo. Well, instead of just arguing about it, there is something for everything on DoorDash. So get, get everybody everything they want. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is really easy. You just open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and you enter the code STAPLES. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code STAPLES. Don't forget, that's code STAPLES for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show, the Big Ten is playing edition. That's right. The Big Ten has announced that they are going to play a fall 2020 football season. It will begin October 24th. There will be a championship game on the 19th, but also sort of a a Big Ten challenge that same weekend, which I kind of think the other leagues need to steal. But let me bring in Nicole Auerbach. Nicole, the Big Ten was nice enough to do this on your day on the podcast, which I really appreciate because I would have had to call you anyway, and then it would have been like, hey, what are you doing? But then you were already planning to do this one. Well, I think that's what they were waiting for. Everyone been wondering what were they waiting for for the last three days, right? So clearly because Wednesday is power hour. That's right. It, it is power hour, and I'm glad you mentioned that because we, we will have to do a little power hour later. But right now... We've got to talk about the big news, and that is the Big Ten's going to play daily rapid testing, which is is something that you know we've heard companies have gotten FDA approval in the past few weeks. They're scaling up. There's supposed to be tens of millions of these much cheaper tests that you can process within a few minutes, and the Big Ten's going to use those. Uh, They are going to take players who have tested positive. They're going to sit them out for 21 days. And they are going to begin play, sounds like, with a Friday night game on October 23rd. Yeah, they uh, they were pretty specific with that. I, I thought that it was um, it was pretty exciting. I mean, I, I think the – what are we going to call it? I mean, we can call it a Big Ten Big Ten Challenge, but maybe like a plus one, the way that Barry Alvarez called it. I don't it like – the, the plus one is what the – SEC and ACC used to describe the fourteen playoff to people who are too stupid to figure out it was a playoff. <laughs> but well, it was okay. the way it was the way, but, way they used it to slip it by him. They like, no, it's not a playoff. It's a plus one. Well, okay, but like you know, he he said eight plus one. It was so funny because prior to that Zoom conference, I got a text from someone saying. I wouldn't be so sure it's just eight games. Um, you know, I think there's like this eight plus one potential. And I'm thinking the one is the championship right. game. That's just an eight game season. Um, and so he was like, you know, he was just saying, I don't know, just don't say it's an eight game only season. And then we got that information. And I think it's awesome. I think it's going to be a really fun, unique experiment um, in a season where, as Barry Alvarez put it, you're trying to make it a meaningful season, right? You're trying to make it so that 
If a guy wants to play, they're playing towards something. So this allows the Big Ten is back on the fall timeline. They can get consideration for the college football playoff. Their teams can make bowl games. They're back playing in the time of year where you can play towards something. And so, um, you know, I, I sort of wonder, you know, if some of the players, if they haven't signed with agents, would they opt back in? Things like that. Because now all of a sudden, everything that you normally play towards, you're playing towards again. Yeah. And I like this idea a lot and hope the other leagues try to steal it for this year. Because again, we've seen how you really have to do things on the fly this year. And, you know, if you're the ACC and you've had some games postponed or uh, let's say a game or two gets knocked out in the SEC, I think that'd be a fun way to give some people some extra games. And, you know, you say, oh, it'll take it'll take attention away from your championship game. But I don't necessarily agree with that. I just think it'll bring more people under the tent. And the way they're setting it up is second best in, in the division versus second best in the division. You're going to get good games, you know, fifth best. This fifth best versus fifth best, probably going to have competitive games. So that is going to be something you're going to watch. And especially if the Big 12 title game or the SEC title game or the ACC title game, if any of those are non-competitive, then you can turn over and find a competitive game. So it's, it's not a bad idea. I mean, think about how normal championship weekends work. If your team's not in it, like, do you necessarily care who wins your conference? Do, you know, do you have that conference pride um, do you care if you think it's maybe going to be a lopsided or a blowout? A lot of these leagues have been, you know, one division is stronger than the other for, for a number of years, right? So I, I think it's going to be cool to try. Um, I think, you know, the idea, it's, it's almost like, you know, second versus second. It's like, okay, third place game. Like, you, know, you can kind of have some bragging, right? Like, there's, there's some interesting elements to it. Um, and I just think that it allows all 14 fan bases to have something to watch that weekend. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty interesting. And also, the leagues that have the the weak gap between their season and the championship game, that's where you put your challenge if you want your championship game to stand alone. Put your challenge in that week that you had for makeup games and just do that. It, it'd be fun this year. And in the places you're selling tickets, you sell more tickets. So why not? But I, let's let's get back to the, the beginning of the, the way the Big Ten handled this one. This was a case where they had athletic directors, doctors, the commissioner, Kevin Warren, they had a bunch of people available to talk about the decision, which was a drastic reversal from the first time. August 11th, they announced they're going to postpone the fall season. And they basically trot Kevin Warren out on the Big Ten Network for a, a, a state TV interview that he still managed to bomb. This one, much, much smoother for them. Yeah, and I, I think it was clearly learning a lesson from the first time. Um, but also, it just gave us so much more information. And I think that that was something that was missing over the last month when everyone was talking about, you know, a lack of communication, the players, the coaches, ADs, wanting more information, more reasons for making decisions. There was a lawsuit filed over yeah. this. Remember, that, well, that's the thing. Somebody had to sue to get them to admit they voted. Right. And so this is just totally different, right? Like this is saying, okay, you wanted information. We're giving you information. We're, we're giving you a doctor to explain what we learned about myocarditis and, and our screening process for, for cardiac issues before return to play. We're explaining why it's going to be a 21-day period for someone who tests positive before they can come back into competition where other leagues are doing that at 14. We're going to explain why I asked um, and, and Sandy Barber answered about no fans in the stands at these games, but they're going to try to bring family members of players. Like These are the, the details and information 
that people have been wondering and want to know, and we got it right away. And I think that that's going to help people process the next steps. And that was something that did not happen the last time. Obviously, it was, it was people were more angry because they, they wanted to play and they weren't. And this time, they get what they want, which is to play. But we just got more information about why daily testing matters, what the screening means for cardiac issues, what does it look like, you know, what is a positivity rate on a team, right? Like all these medical reasons that they're doing things, we got explained to us. Yeah, and, and I think that was really Well, and helpful. they're also trying to spin it as if they have now made a better decision than everyone else, which time will tell on that. But, you know... It, 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 is, it is possible there will be less disruptions by starting it, it, later possible, and having but, but daily testing. But here's the testing. thing. All the other leagues knew that rapid daily testing was coming. You know, the Pac-12 talked about it the day before they canceled that it's coming and and potentially that could make a big difference. So, you know, the ACC, the the Big 12 and the SEC, that was baked into their decision-making process and I think you'll see those leagues change to a more frequent form of testing because they they would much rather have a test where you get the results back that day before you put somebody on a field. Well, and and I think a lot of these leagues are have been at least experimenting with that as the third test for the week, mm-hmm. um like the Friday test closest to the game. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, I think it's fair that the Big Ten can justify what changes in the last month and emphasize that they have access to this and they're going to do it daily, not just Fridays. Um, but it is also absolutely fair to say these other leagues that delayed the start did it because they knew there could be advances in this space and they built themselves time into their model so that they could wait to get there. Um, So again, you're still going to have a lot of people who are going to say, hey, the Big Ten could have just delayed the whole time. They could have just delayed. They didn't have to use the word postpone. They could have delayed and gotten to the same point. It's probably true. It's true. Yeah. I think what what actually handcuffed them probably more than anything, now that I think back on the timing of everything, is they released a schedule on August 5th that said they were going to start playing September 3rd. And I think they felt like, oh, wow, that's, that's coming really fast. You know, the SEC all along said, we're not playing until September 26th. And so they were never really feeling that same pressure. Hey, do something. You have to do something. You're only a month away from your, your start date. Right. And, and I think, too, um, you know, the Big Ten shut down before it got to fall camp. Right. Before um, they were hitting. Be, yeah. And this is going to be important because of when you're looking at, well, well, why are they waiting until late October to start? Well, they need to ramp up. They need to allow their players to get there from a health and safety standpoint, as Andy can talk to more so than I can. But to me, like you have to remember that, too, because they felt that time crunch and they made the decision not to advance to padded practices and to, to full contact that's when they shut down, and that's when, like you said, there was this pressure, oh my gosh, games are supposed to be starting soon, we need to make a go or no-go decision, whereas the SEC was starting fall camp later. There wasn't that time crunch, um, which again was because that was the way they structured their schedule, um, and it could have been adjusted, could have been delayed. So it's been messy. It's been a messy 40 days, um, which is an understatement, but I do think you know it worked out in a way where, you know, they got to a point where they're saying it was unanimous. All the presidents got to the point where they're saying daily rapid testing, this cardiac screening on return to play, all of that stuff were comfortable enough. I I don't think it was really unanimous though. I bet if, if we asked individually and, and we had, of course we'd have to administer the truth serum. I have, I have syringes. Uh, I bet we'd have a couple who said, I'm not comfortable with this, but I don't want to be on the wrong side of history here. 
Well, I, I think too, after what happened, it needed to be unanimous. Oh, it, it absolutely well, it, it, had to be. It unified. always needs to be unanimous when you have a conference decision. The thing is, the the, the trick to it, the the secret sauce is the commissioner or maybe you know a certain group of presidents has to get together and make sure that nobody's going to start barking once the decision's made because then you know it wasn't. It, it, none of these decisions are ever really unanimous. The difference is there's usually enough of a consensus that the people on the losing side will not fight back. This time, Pub- publicly, yeah, this which time is, which nobody nobody made sure that Nebraska and Ohio State and Iowa and Penn State, well, Penn State didn't didn't vote no, but Penn State football wanted to play. So that's the problem because once somebody speaks up, and Nebraska spoke up even before that decision got announced. That empowers everybody else. And, and look, if you're happy the Big Ten is coming back, because I've seen a lot of the, the folks in the Big Ten bagging on Nebraska for being the outlier here and for, for going off script, because they were the first ones to do it. And then Ohio State jumped in and really picked, it, picked up the flag there. But thank them, because they're the reasons there's football, because they can say all they want about better testing and scientific advancements, they would not be doing this right now if Nebraska and Ohio State and Iowa hadn't kept the pressure on either through the players themselves, the players suing, the coaches, the parents. They they wouldn't have reconsidered other, other than that. Now's the time to get your student loan payments under control. You could be saving by refinancing your student loans with Earnest. If you've been making the same monthly payment on your student loans for the last couple years, odds are you could reduce your payment and save by refinancing with Earnest. Even if you've refinanced before, with today's low rate environment, most people could save by refinancing again. Checking your new rate is fast and easy. To start, complete a few questions online. It only takes about two minutes. Then get a personalized rate estimate without affecting your credit score. Want to change your monthly payment, combine many loans into one easy payment, or get a better rate? Earnest makes it easy. Plus, there is no origination fee or any other fees. Plus, the internet loves Earnest customer service. They're rated 9.4 out of 10 on Trustpilot. And now you can get a $100 cash bonus when you refinance a student loan with Earnest.com slash Andy Staples. Once again, you get a $100 cash bonus when you refi your student loan at Earnest.com slash Andy Staples. That's Earnest.com slash Andy Staples. I absolutely agree that it would be much closer to what's happening in the Pac-12, where there is, you know, an understanding of, of why you're not playing and what needs to be done to resume that. Obviously, the Pac-12 has unique challenges, right? Yeah, you've it's, got it's California, different. You've got California and Oregon limiting, like, those teams can't practice. They, they but, can't even lift weights. Right they now. can't even lift weights. And so, but you have this understanding where, okay, medical advancements, things like that, they're adjusted on a timeline that is kind of before or after January 1st, 2021 now. Like the expectations are very different. And, and I think that, you know, without the outrage and the sustained outrage, you, you're in a different environment where you are just looking at all these medical thresholds and, and when to implement them, but you're not looking at an October return. Um, the October piece to me, and, and I agree that Nebraska, you know, started and then Ohio grabbed the torch, Ohio State did, because to me, when Ohio State is fighting for something, it's, it's, and this is a team that can win a national championship, this is a little bit different. 
The, 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 the push to start as early as possible helps teams that have postseason aspirations right. the most. So, so when you have Ryan Day and you have Gene Smith and you have Ohio State, Justin Fields and that petition, it, it, it carries a different weight. I mean, I think if it was just player protests, you know, for as impactful and how many headlines they got, I don't know that that sustains four weeks later to the point where the pressure is still applied. I think it was the actual program of Ohio State itself and like the actual coaches, James Franklin, Jim Harbaugh, like the people directly involved applying pressure. Well, and also they're the people with the biggest platforms. And that's that's one thing I, I don't think the the Big Ten office quite understood when this happened is you didn't get those guys on board either. And and yes, there is a chain, chain of command. The the president works for the the you know the the school. The president is the boss. And then there's the AD who works for the president and there's the coach who works for the AD. You can say that all you want. But the coach is the highest paid employee. The coach is the most high profile employee. And if you don't have him on your side and he wants something different, you're going to have to figure out how to deal with that. So I think you're right. I think I think Ryan Day, James Franklin, Jim Harbaugh, uh, Scott Frost, those guys made a big difference. The lawsuit made a big difference because it forced out information that they were trying to hide. And, and it, it, it also, again, it, I think outside of, you know, we got information about the vote itself. Um, but I think, again, it, it, you know, it got you thinking, you've got to be transparent. You've got to provide information and explanations because all of this was prompted by people saying, we don't know why or how you made this decision. Exactly. And, and I think if they'd have given, I don't know if it would have mattered, if they'd have given a rational, logical, transparent discussion of their decision the first time around like the Pac-12 did, would it have changed anything? I, I don't I, think, I think it changes how much Ohio State wants to play. No, I think it changes some of the fan reaction and some of the rancor. I think some of the administrators and some of the coaches, you know, because I think like James Franklin was, has been straddling this line of like, I don't think the decision was wrong. Like, you know, he has said like he understands it. Because your a school voted yes standpoint. on it. And his, yeah, and his president, as we now know, voted to postpone. But he's also always said, like, the hardest part was just then you go to your players and you try to explain, like, okay, what are next steps? You don't know when the next season's supposed to start. You didn't know at that point if athletes were going to, um, you know, if, what eligibility was going to happen, scholarships, like, all of these pieces. And I think right now, you know, even with today's announcement, obviously they're playing, you know about eligibility, you know certain things. But there's also just more information to provide. Even this 8 plus 1 model, right? Like, you can just say this is how it's going to be structured. Um, it's just more answers. And so I think, you know, even that type of push has changed the way that the information was shared through this. Obviously, there were coaches on the different subcommittees involved in the return to competition task forces, but also like that th coming out of the process, I feel like they could feel like they can explain what changed, why, what their new protocols are going to be on a week to week basis. There's those there's thresholds, specific th thresholds on like team positivity rates. All of that is really clear. And I think it just makes it easy because then you're like, okay, this is exactly how this thing is going to work. This is how this is going to be measured. This allows us to play. This doesn't. And then you can take that to your team. Yeah, it, it is nice and amazing what information does for you because that's what they did not give out the first time. And now let's talk about the actual football on the field. You know, there have been a lot of high profile opt outs. Uh, as you pointed out earlier, you could opt back in if you haven't signed with an agent. I, I had a uh, Randy Wade uh, Sean Wade's dad on the podcast uh, this morning, 
And Randy was talking about Sean's decision because Sean announced his opt-out on Monday. And now this was as of last night when we recorded, but Randy said Sean is planning to sign with an agent tonight, regardless of what the Big Ten does. So we'll, we'll see if that, that changes. But you've got Wyatt Davis opted out at, at Ohio State. You've got Micah Parsons opted out at Penn State, Rashad Bateman at Minnesota. Probably, that's probably going to hold, I would imagine, for most of those guys. These are they're fairly high potential draft picks who – I don't know how much more film will help them, but I am curious what it's going to look like because I don't feel like Ohio state is, is as hurt relative to the rest of the league, even though they've lost two potential first rounders here. Well, I mean, that certainly says a lot about this roster we've been talking oh, yeah. about. It's you know, that, <laughs> this is a, this is a team that's going to compete for a national championship. Now that we know they're playing, um, it was funny. I already got a text from our colleague, our Clemson writer, Grace Rayner, about you know Clemson fans are getting a little nervous because uh, now you've got another entrant into the uh, national championship picture. But yeah, I think they're going to be fine. I mean, the fact that you know it's not Justin Fields opting out, and 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 I think you know you could potentially see guys at Penn State or other places potentially opt back in if they haven't signed. But uh, honestly, I think because you know you had these coaches speaking out, um, you know there was optimism there was also misinformation a lot of times in the last month as well but like you know not a lot of players it wasn't a mass exodus I guess is the way I would say it like there there are a lot of talented players that stuck around on their rosters and didn't officially opt out at all of these schools um so you you don't really have that moment of reckoning that you could have if you know just the second that it got postponed if like everybody's starting lineup decided to opt out that and that's a credit to Ryan Day and to James Franklin and Jim Harbaugh and and Scott Frost and, and PJ Fleck and all those guys who who did that because they could have lost their teams and they didn't. Absolutely. They held it together. And and what's more amazing, I think, is that they held it together without a lot of specific information until just recently. They basically held it together with hope. Hope and optimism. Yeah. That that this could happen. And you know, it, it, it's amazing that it did. And but you're absolutely right that they kept their teams together. They kept their rosters going. I mean, can't imagine how hard it's been to, you know, they've had 12 hours that they can practice. Um, and it's like, you know, to, to, to do that, to run these practices, to work out when you're not sure what you're playing towards, that's not easy. It's very hard to motivate yourself in addition to your players. So it's just been remarkable and a uniquely challenging situation for these coaches. And, you know, they're about to be rewarded. Barry Alvarez said earlier on Wednesday that they're going to be able to up their practices, ramp up starting now. I mean, they're not getting the daily rapid testing until the end of the month, but it sounds like they're going to be able to, you know, start preparing like a preseason camp for, for this October. Yeah, I mean, and, and look, the other leagues have been practicing and, and some of them have been playing and most of them all, but the sec have been playing. So I, I think you can look at what other schools have done and, and see what, which ones have had better experiences than others. And, you can work within those parameters until you get those daily tests. Because again, everybody's waiting on those daily tests. I, I have a feeling everything starts to go quite a bit smoother for everybody once those become more widespread. Well, and and let's let's walk through that for a second, okay? So if right now in a lot of places you have PCR testing that that needs to go to a lab. So yep. I go and get tested, 
And you know what? There's there's an outbreak because like a lot of college students are back. So it's going to take. The lab's backed you know, up. Yeah. That lab be is two, backed three up. days. So could, you know, if I'm not a football player, maybe it's a week. But okay, like I'm a football player. It's two or three days. In those two or three days, I don't know if I have it. I don't know if I am unwittingly spreading the virus right. around. I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to, but I still don't know. And I'm still interacting with other people around campus. So that's when, when you talk about contact tracing and getting to these point where it's like 30 players are unavailable for a game because of contact tracing, it's because there's those days in between where you don't know if you're being exposed to someone who has the virus. With, with daily testing, Andy, you get tested, you find out an hour later that you have it. There was only yeah. one hour you, where you were potentially You're watching Netflix it. for the next two weeks or three weeks if you're in the Big Ten. Yeah. Yeah. But, it, I, but, you, don't, but you didn't give it to me at practice. Exactly. Because exactly. they caught it. And so that's where like, it's going to really dramatically decrease the needs and, and stress around contact tracing as well, which, as we know from talking to coaches, that's one of the biggest challenges right now for everyone. Yeah, and that's the thing because you'll see a thing, you'll see news that a team has twenty players out. That doesn't necessarily mean twenty players were positive. It means they have some positives, and that those other people were around them, and they have no choice but to knock them out because of contract tracing. So, yeah, you're right. It will make everything easier for everyone. So, I would imagine probably mid October you're going to start seeing these other leagues go much more smoothly than they have. And then the Big Ten will get get in late October and they'll start playing. I, I'm happy that they're going to get to play, that they're syncing up enough to be part of the college football playoff because it will feel like more of a season. I wish the Pac-12 could could do the same. I wish the Mountain West and the MAC could could get back, but it, it seems like that ship has sailed. But it will be nice because I think if you ask the the teams that are going to compete for the national title, Clemson. Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, the, the schools that we think are going to be really good. The best want to play against the best. They want Ohio State to be in there. They want to have a chance to play them. So I think that it's just going to make it a better season for everybody. Do, do we, are we still going to have to have these conversations and arguments about asterisks? Or are we going I, to be close I, enough? I, somebody, I, I wish I had seen who it was to give them the proper credit. I think it was actually somebody talking about the NBA that there should be an asterisk on this season, but not as a kind of, sort of asterisk, but as a look at what all these people had to do to make this happen <laughs> kind of season. Like, I, I think the asterisk should be the badge of honor more than anything else. <laughs> or we could just call it something else this year because, yeah, it's, it's about you endured and survived and, and somehow thrived in the weirdest year of sports in yeah. each of these individual sports history, right? So, um, yeah, no, I'm excited. I, I, I agree with you. I think that, A, it will round out our Saturdays. I mean, we, we all felt those gaps because you didn't have two power conference teams filling in certain windows. And then also just, like you said, I mean, the, the chase, the, the, the college football playoff race will be better by having the Big Ten in it. Well, and I feel like I've been eased into this season. Like, so I, first game I go to is, is Conference USA versus Sunbelt, Southern, Southern Miss and South the, Alabama. How, the mighty Sunbelt. That, the, the mighty Sunbelt. 3-0 against the Big 12 last week, by the way. Then I go to Georgia Tech, Florida State last week. So that's, that's good, too. So I'm, I'm easing back. And in, in, in a couple weeks, well, a week from Saturday, the SEC starts playing. So you're getting now, now you're getting LSU and Florida and Georgia and Alabama and Auburn. 
Tennessee. And then you're going to get them for a few weeks. And then you're going to add the Big Ten on top of that. It's sort of like, I like the layering a little bit. It's sort of yeah. sort of like getting dressed in the cold weather. It's a little bit like, okay, as someone who celebrates Hanukkah and Christmas, like Christmas, you get it all at once. But Hanukkah, it's spread out over eight nights. And so sometimes it feels more rewarding in certain ways with certain presents because you had to wait to get them. And this is a little bit like Hanukkah. Very interesting. I had not thought about it that way. So that's right. The, so the Big Ten starting play will be the eighth craziest night of this college football season. So, yeah, and that's, that's actually very fitting for considering how the last 40 days have gone and, and the amount of craziness in that conference. They, they've earned it. Well, and, and the thing is, I think there, there can be a lot learned from this. And we saw today just how much they've learned from a public relations standpoint from a messaging standpoint, they were so much more on point than they were when they announced the postponement. So they, they did learn. They did take some lessons from that. I do think there's there's probably some relationships that are going to need to be repaired between the Big Ten and the other leagues because I think there's still a lot of resentment about the way the Big Ten went about its initial decision-making process because it felt like they kind of left the other leagues behind and they thought they, they were going to kind of force the other leagues into, into doing what they wanted. And the other leagues were like, nah, we're not going to do what you want. So I agree. I agree. I think, I think across the board, there's a lot of relationships that need to be mended. I also like, I don't know about you. I mean, we're all, we've all been working nonstop through the pandemic. I feel like everybody needs a break from each other at the same point. Like it's like repair the relationships, but maybe everyone just take like a two week break. Where That's what conference only schedules are for Nicole. Nobody's <laughs> going to see each other until, until January. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's been a lot, but you're absolutely right. Ever the states all the way back to when the big 10 decided to go conference only, you know, that, that again, I don't think it was super realistic that everyone was going to make all this five, these power five leagues were going to make every single decision together as like a, you know, as a mega conference, but that did rub people the wrong way. And, you know, it's just been a very fractured college football landscape ever since. And so, you know, starting at different times, um, playing different amounts of games. All of this is just very, you know, on par for, par for the course this year. So, Nicole, now that we've, we've gotten back into the closest thing we're going to get to normal, period, because look, none of this is going to be normal. No matter what fitness fads you follow, one thing is true across every one of them. You have to get hydrated and stay hydrated. The best way to do that is is liquid IV. It is the most efficient way to get and stay hydrated because each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. Why is that? It's the optimal ratio of glucose, sodium, and potassium delivered into your bloodstream. I live in a place where it is scorching hot, very humid, lose a lot of water when I go out running. I drink a liquid IV beforehand. I drink a liquid IV when I get back. It feels great. Partial to the acai berry before lemon lime on the way back. I'm not sure exactly why it works out that way, but those are my favorites. Also, if you've celebrated a little bit, it doesn't have to be a workout thing. Maybe I had a neighbor who was testing out smoked old fashions and maybe I had a few. Maybe I had one too many. When I got home, I drank a liquid IV right before bed. I felt fantastic in the morning. So how do you get yourself some liquid IV. You go to liquidiv.com and you use the code athletic at checkout and you get 25% off anything you order. That is 25% off anything you order when you use the promo code athletic at liquidiv.com. So get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, 
promo code ATHLETIC. It is Wednesday. It is the Power Hour. It and is. And I think, I think we should do the Power Hour. When news breaks, the Athletics' Nicole Auerbach is there. But sometimes so much news breaks that she can only spend one minute on each story. It's time for Power Hour! There are other stories besides what is going on in the Big Ten, believe it or not. So we're going to hit a few of those, but Nicole only gets a minute to talk about them. First story, quasi-related, USC players send a letter to California Governor Gavin Newsom saying, hey, can can we please go in our football facility? You, You mind if we can play too? Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty interested to see how this one shakes out because this is also the conference that had the Pac-12 United. So you had players who were making a, uh, you know, very public points about, you know, not feeling safe in, in these protocols. Um, you know, you've had players asking for, you know, third parties verifying that people are following medical protocols. Um, so I'm curious about this. I mean, Gavin Newsom and, and California have been very strict throughout all of this. I mean, I've got friends in Northern California who've barely been able to go to the nail salon since March, right? So I, I think that, like, it, it would take a I, lot. I refuse to, to, to insert a Nancy Pelosi joke. I'm just saying, you're cutting, in, <laughs> you're cutting into my minute here. Um <laughs> I, I'm just saying, I'm curious to see what it does because, you know, again, the, these areas have been really strict, but they have had carve outs for pro sports. Um, so I would be curious to see, you know, if that changes. Yes, they did play a game in San Francisco and a game in Los Angeles on Sunday. It was just in the NFL where they've, you're right, they, they have carved that out and, and they said, you know, you can do this. So, okay, question number two. Georgia coach Kirby Smart says it will be a game-time decision on who his starting quarterback will be. We all assumed it was going to be Wake Forest transfer Jamie Newman, who has since opted out. Now you have USC transfer JT Daniels and Dewan Mathis, who was a freshman last year, who had emergency brain surgery and then couldn't play the season and has come back stronger than ever and, and put on some weight. And now he is competing for the starting job, Nicole. How intrigued are you about the Georgia Bulldogs this year? Very. Um, I I mean, I think it was a lot more boring when we just anticipated that it was going to be Jamie Newman. Um, But this is very interesting, especially with, you know, kind of assuming that it was going to be JT Daniels. And, you know, he came into college in USC with so much hype. Um, So I love it. I mean, obviously, you know, the the storylines write themselves here, but – if this is a true quarterback competition, we haven't had one of these in a team like this really since, I mean, you know, you've, you had Tua and Jalen and you had, you know, the Ohio State quarterback questions, but it, it's rare that you have it at that high a level now because we just see quarterbacks transfer. They transfer out now. They don't, they don't necessarily stay and fight this out. Um, so I'm really intrigued by that. Um, I would still think it's going to be JT Daniels, so maybe this is all smokescreen. Um, but excited to see nonetheless, we know what we're going to get defensively from Georgia. So, you know, it's always a question mark what you're going to get wow, offensively. Seconds. You're getting good at this. I don't even know where the buzzer is right now. So, well, you, sh- you didn't even have the buzzer ready for this game. Come on, Andy. I don't need the buzzer. You're, you've got it down now. All right. You, you've, you've become an expert. Now you're, you're, you're going to do this one in 59.99 seconds. I can tell. So I, I, I realize I said there's more going on than the Big Ten coming back, but I wanted to throw a scenario at you and just get your take on it. Because 
we're all happy in one big kumbaya college football family today. We know that won't last. What happens if you've got a, a seven and two? Well, let's make it an eight and one. Eight and one Big Ten champ and a nine and one SEC divisional runner up that lost to the SEC champ in a close game. Which one are you putting in at number four in the CFP, Nicole? I think that is very interesting. I also think that um, I'm like very here for arguments with different amounts of games. Like I think that that happens so rarely because, you know, everyone usually they played in their championship game. So usually we're talking about teams that played 13 games. And it's very possible that some teams will play like two different games, two less games or two more games than others. Um, I would think in that situation, you would give the edge to the Big Ten champ. Conference championships are supposed to matter here. But I don't know. I mean, is it, it, this is going to be the most subjective year ever for the committee. I, I thought it was just another data point, though, Nicole. Is it Depends you know. if you want that team in or not, Andy. <laughs> 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 I think you're right. I, this is an all politics or local question, and I, I'm a little bit unfair here because you do kind of have to know the circumstances of the two things. It, it's it's a little bit different if it's just a hypothetical. You'd probably need to know who's who. Do you think there's anything anyone on the selection committee would hold it against the Big Ten for starting late? Like, no, it's to- subjectively not at this point. I texted somebody in the SEC the other day about this, and I said, "Are you guys going to get?" all upset about the Big Ten potentially having a chance to be in the playoff. And they were like, no, everybody's doing... It's sort of like what what Ari Wasserman and I said is the the motto of this season. Everyone's doing the best they can. I think think most of the leagues that are already playing understand the difficulty of playing right now and are not going to hold it against anybody for doing the best they can. I agree. I agree. But I do think this is going to be the hardest year ever for the selection committee. I do not envy it. Although I do think that these arguments are going to be hilarious and fascinating and interesting all in one. And they're going to be on Zoom. And you know what that means? Somebody's going to get the link to that Zoom call. And we're going to have a leaked audio of a selection committee meeting. We got to crash it. We got to crash the Zoom. Well, we don't have to. I I think they'd they'd probably decredential us for that. But... Okay, well, I mean, we somebody have, needs to. They're professional Zoom crashers now. They can do it. How do I get that job? I don't know. It seems, but it exists. Seems it fairly exists. secure. One of the few fairly secure jobs in this time. So, well, okay. If I'm not a professional Zoom crasher by Friday, I'll be back. Otherwise, Nicole's taking over. Bye, Nicole. Bye. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> <laughs>